What is going on, everybody? How's everybody doing here this morning? Tommy Boy's here in the paddock. I don't know about the uh, for president deal so much, Jarrett Murphy. Not so much my deal. Maybe president of the track or the announcer's booth. Something like that I could do. Kyle Westwood, he's sitting there in Daytona. He got to see the out with the old, in with the new here this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the NASCAR section. But I don't want to waste any time here. First, I got to get to happy birthday to www.bwsports1.com's biggest fan, John Wayne Buzzard. Everybody wish him a happy birthday today. And if you need any of that banking needs, check out First Financial Bank and John Wayne Buzzard. Make it a good birthday there. So, like I said, I'm not going to waste any of his time. He's about to board the bus here and head on out to Gateway. We've got a slew of guests here. We'll start it off with none other than the data engineer here for the what, – what team are you on today? Is it always uh, Tony Kanon? Is always whoever is in the 14 That's car. That's right. I apologize. I apologize. So the 14 car, no matter what there. So you're sticking to that 14. Let me start off by saying awesome, awesome run yesterday. Congrats. Yeah, appreciate it. As uh, as a lot of times we say, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. And uh, <laughs> it's two years in a row we've gotten pretty lucky with the yellow. You start off P21. You end it, P9, TK, the team. You guys got to be happy. Oh, yeah. Especially. I think I lost you there. You there? Yeah, sorry about nope, that. Good, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty good, especially uh, after watching that start. I, I still don't, don't know how Tony made it through that. That was pretty cool. I don't know how a lot of people made it through that. Uh, let's get your take on that. I mean, you're, you're sitting up there. You see that happen. Alexander Rossi compares it to the uh, iRacing Michigan wreck there. Uh, kind of run us through there. What What's kind of the uh, uh, the attitude after that on, on pit road? Yeah, I, I thought I heard him uh, uh, compare it to the iRacing Michigan start. Um, <laughs> uh, for us, kind of nice, actually. We gained a lot of track position there, but uh, I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw it happening. Like, I mean... If you look statistically, we're uh, we're like a hundred percent yellow for the gateway start for the last uh, what is it four years? There's a hundred percent chance from like the start to lap five. There's always been a yellow. Wow, that is a, a pretty interesting uh, stat there. And what I saw was pretty interesting. Eleven races there, eleven winners. So not an easy track. How do you guys kind of prepare for that? Uh. Big thing, obviously, is track position, and and really, it's hard to this year, especially compared to the last few years, because this year we're in the heat of the day as opposed to the night. So uh, it, it was definitely a learning experience yesterday, and uh, hopefully, we made the right changes to uh, be able to pull off that twelfth winner this uh, tonight. Absolutely, there. So, I, I like I said, how much uh, momentum is in your in your seat? I guess with that P nine. And some solid, you know, runs here. How much does the crew run off momentum? I know the driver, obviously, he's going to. But how how does that work with you guys? 
Oh, momentum is is definitely big for us. Uh, always being in a in a good position post race, going into the next race, always keeps you mentally there. Um, if you have a bad run, obviously everybody gets it's mentally checked out. But uh, definitely a, a good run yesterday really helps us with momentum today. Absolutely. So let's kind of get into the backstory, not of uh, IndyCar or anything like that. In the backstory of Timmy Trowbridge here, how did you become a data engineer? What made you kind of gravitate towards that? Uh, very uh, cliche, but it was connections. Um, I got I got a really good opportunity with uh, KV to do some dampers. Made a good friend that was a was also a data engineer and uh, saw some uh, potential in me and spent a lot of time getting me up to speed. Had another opportunity pop up at Foyt um, with that Zach Veach and just made the right connections and I had, my degree helped a lot and uh, just like I said, really cliche. Had the right connections and. Uh, had people that believed in, in my ability and my skills and thought I'd go places. See, and it's funny almost because we hear that when you hear the drivers, you know, I just want to thank this guy because he really believed in me early on in my career and got me here. And and now you say that, so it kind of works both ways there. I like it. Yes, sir. It, like I said, it, it's it's cliche to say, uh, say the connections, but in, in a lot of things in this world, it, it is very very based off of connections and, and like you said having people that believe in you and uh, have a have a desire to make somebody um achieve their dreams absolutely there so how do you feel going into today i mean like you said you, you hope you did make those right choices those right decisions how do you guys feel going into today because i think i mean what time do you guys qualify here in a couple hours oh we qualified yesterday uh oh, they did man. the funky qualifying to where uh qualifying lap one sets grid for lap race one and qualifying lap okay, two okay. sets race for grid two so so we uh we have a lot better track position today than we did yesterday that's a good thing possibly i mean where do you know uh is in that stat of the the wrecks that you say in those first five laps is it kind of all throughout the the field is it that midfield where where do those happen uh historically i think if uh been pretty well everywhere i mean look at uh what was it 17 when will power and uh, carpenter wrecked and i believe they were at the front of the pack you got tony that wrecked under the yellow under that same year and he was in the back you got mid-pack yesterday it, it's been all over the grid <laughs> absolutely so let's kind of go back a week and one week ago you were rubbing it into me hey guess where i'm at ha 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 but no, it, it was so awesome that, uh, you know, I can just shoot you a message and I get a little, uh, I'm not going to say inside information, but I got a guy behind the wall there now. And uh, it was it was cool. I was kind of living the Indy 500 through seeing you on the, the streams there. Anytime I saw you on NBC Gold, I'd, I'd snap a picture for you, you know, say peekaboo, something like that. But how much stress now is off your shoulders uh, now that the 500 is over? Really, it's gonna sound kind of kind of weird, but the 500 was probably the least stressful of uh, of all the races we've done this year. If you uh, if you look at it, Texas, we did a one day show. You practice, qualify, race, tear down everything all in one day. You had Road America. We set up. Uh, was it the Friday? You practiced, qualified, raced on Saturday, raced, qualified, raced on Sunday, and all these all these have been like one, two, maybe three day events. And then you got the 500 that's a week and a half long and. A lot of time we're sitting there just like, okay, when, when's the race? We're so used to everything being so fast-paced, so <laughs> stressful that, that this year the 500 was actually probably the stressful race of the year. 
Well, that's kind of uh, – hopefully it won't be like that next year. I know uh, you read that kind of excerpt that uh, or that uh, little blog that I put out last week. And, you know, thanks to you there as well because I know it's not you, – you've been there. You've seen it. How eerie was it? I mean, tell them because you told me. I, I know what you were saying there, but uh, tell me how you, how you felt here. Oh, it was it was the weirdest thing. Um, I was walking through Gasoline Alley with Dalton on uh, probably one of the first days we were there, and we were going to check out something at the timing stand. And you walk through Gasoline Alley done like a setup day, um, which is typically pretty empty. And you you walk out there and you look up and you're like, "Holy crap! Crap! This is this is what it's going to look like on race day." It's just so quiet. Really, it, once on restarts, it, it was really weird because typically you hear the cars fly by you hear all the cheering you hear all the yelling and screaming from all the fans and on restarts like you'd hear all the cars go by and then it'd be a good 10 15 seconds of just just silence it it was it was it was very eerie and very weird right definitely missed a lot of the fans you could kind of hear yourself yelling at each other on on pit road when the cars weren't going by i'm sure that was kind of uh interesting itself there but yeah it's it's oh yeah oh yeah uh an unfortunate situation but and let's let's. How much did you talk, or how much did Tony kind of talk to you guys about this possibly being his last one without the fans? I mean, could you tell that was kind of weighing on him? Oh yeah, you you know with Tony, he's he's a big he, he feeds off the fans. The fans always love Tony. Um, Tony always does everything for the fans. I mean, even look at look at the iRacing uh, when we were under quarantine, he was. He was always talking to the fans. I'd, I'd give him a shout, hey, by the way, we're live, we're, we're on the stream. He'd, he'd always give a shout to the fans. Um, always always looking forward to seeing him again. And having a 500 with Tony Kanaan with, with no fans was, was just so – driver intros, when they announced Tony Kanaan, it was it was the first time other than probably Texas and, and a, a few of those other races that I've never heard it so quiet with, uh, with Tony being announced. It's always just year, chill – cheers and yells and screams for tony and i i definitely would not blame him doing another one with uh with fans because that that's that's his yeah i mean he he loves this place he loves his track I, i'm pretty sure he it's his hometown so it, it means so much to him there and just it, it was it was you know awesome to see him getting those runs and everything like that but uh uh i mean in the end of the day where do, where do you end up finishing uh, we finished, I believe it was 19th. We had a we had a top 10 car all day long, and just that that final stint just wasn't what we needed. Uh, had to had to save quite a bit in uh, P19. Yep. So yeah, unfortunate there, but I mean that's that's the Indy 500. I mean he's lived it. He's seen the ups, the downs, the in betweens, and everything there. And uh, you've been along on that ride with him here today. Hey Tim, I I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're gonna be heading out shortly, but uh, how much, I mean, when you say data engineer, kind of give these these people a little information on what do you do, obviously. What's that data going in? Uh, the... I think I lost you again there. Uh, the best explanation is probably the, uh, a systems engineer. Um, basically, you look at the car as a system, um, all the systems of the car, and uh, – so if something's failing, manage, if something's failing on there that you can tell if if something is uh, maybe or like you said managing uh, fuel loads something like that that's that's all on you. 
Yes, sir. Uh, we 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 I basically manage a lot of the electronic systems and uh, take care of the car electronically, steering wheel, data loggers, etc. That's a uh, a pretty stressful position. I can only imagine there. So, but you you do it with uh, just such a passion, Tim. I, I love talking to you about IndyCar. I love talking to you about what you do out there. You're such a a great person to chat with. And thanks for coming on here just for a little bit today. Like I said, I know you are uh, getting ready for a race here shortly. So good luck here today. Pass that on to the team and the crew and everybody there as we will be cheering from you here at Checkers and Records. You guys hopefully can get another top 10 finish. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Uh, definitely definitely watch uh, watch today NBC. I believe it's NBC Sports again, 3.30 Eastern. Um, and then we'll see. Uh, I know we head home tonight. Maybe we'll uh, maybe you'll see me on the Pricks of Pavement race tonight too. We'll we'll see how good we uh, we are getting home in time. That would be impressive if you now. Granted, Gateway's a quick race, but I want to say I mean because they're an hour behind us. Are you guys flying? Yes, sir. Are you driving? We uh, we are driving. It'll be a it'll be a close one, but uh, but we'll My see. My goodness, you better have somebody on that button for you, getting you in and everything, getting ready. My goodness, that's dedication right there. All you guys over at the Monsters of Dirt, the Pricks of Pavement, look out for three wide here. He's dedicated. He's ready to go get Tony Kanaan in the victory lane and then come back and put himself right there in victory lane. <laughs> yes, sir. Like I said, uh, enjoy enjoy the race today. Let's, let's try and pull something good off. You got it. Good luck, sir. Thank you so much again, Tim. What a gentleman there, Tim Trowbridge, putting it out there for us. And just a fantastic guy out here. He, he's eye racing out here. And then he goes out there and puts it on the uh, pit road. So let's talk a little bit IndyCar. We got a couple more guests from the IndyCar realm as well as they're talking about their Indianapolis 500 runs, talking about how they got there and what they do here. As we still got Andrew Wilkerson and Dwayne Elwinger here coming up and you guys uh, by now you know Takumo Sato's two-time winner now of the Indianapolis 500 does a uh, just a fantastic pass there to get around Dixon Dixon didn't think he was uh, gonna be able to hold the fuel so he wanted to get back in Takuma's draft but unfortunately that yellow flag comes out and ends the day there while Takumo is in front he takes it and then yesterday at Gateway they just flip. Dixon gets his 50th win. Takes half of the races now. He has won half of the races. I mean, people talk about how dominant somebody else is on the dirt side. Let's look at dominant here over with the, the IndyCar side. And Dixon just, wow, incredible there. <clears throat> Absolutely phenomenal run there by Scott Dixon yesterday. And, and really, Takumo's right there to make it. But outside of those two, I want to talk about one driver specifically here that's having a fantastic year. Not necessarily a rookie, Pat O'Ward. He, he had that small stint last year, and he's back with a full-time ride here. And just an incredible run he is having this season. He is in third place in standings right now. Finished it third yesterday. And really just looks strong here today. If he can stay clean, get through it, look out for Pat O'Ward. He's coming. 
He's uh, obviously the the top runner here for rookie of the year. Sorry, he's not even a rookie. I keep saying that. I, you think he's a rookie. But, uh, yeah, so uh, um, his teammate Oliver Askew involved in that uh, early wreck there, getting into the back of Pagano, turning him into Rossi. Rossi having a hard day. My daughter, Addison, was was cheering him on, and she even said, Last night when I was telling her about it that, hey, he's, he's had bad luck all year. He, he can't have it all year, all year long. It ain't going to happen all year long. You can't. That's that positive attitude of a uh, of a six-year-old right there. And real quick, before we get to that uh, 27 team interview here, we're going to be uh, – I, 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 I want to ask you guys, the fans out here, Thomas Gould, I want to know your opinion. Jarrett Murphy, I want to know your opinion here. Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. We're talking about these guys, and are, are they the next top team here? It looks like they're having a phenomenal year. We've seen this before with Sato, but Graham Ray Hall is really starting to to gain this ground and really come up with some consistent uh, finishes here. And that Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan team, just a fantastic year putting together here, and they're really pulling themselves up into – the, the top tier, the Andretti's, the Penske's, the Ganassi's of the sport. I really think we don't have a big three in any car. It, it, it could be – I hate saying the big four because there's even more that can win every week. But they're starting to to prove their dominance, I, I think. So all the resource in a grade A team just needs some more luck. Absolutely. And luck goes a long way. I mean, you heard Timmy say it right there. Sometimes you'd rather be lucky – than anything else on a day so very uh uh impressive in my mind here uh let me know what you guys think about that ray hall letterman lanigan team if you're fast enough make your own that that sometimes an indy car just uh if something happens in front of you you just have so little reaction time that's uh according to mr penske well that's that sounds like a mr penske quote i can see that i can see that so let's talk to our next guest here, and we're going to talk to Alexander Rossi, spotter here, Dwayne Elwinger. Hey, this is Dwayne Elwinger. I work for Andretti Autosports, number 27, Napa Car, for Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Checkers and Wreckers. This is Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne. It's Sean again. Yes. How's it going, sir? Pretty good. How are you? Fantastic. You on the road now? We are. You're not hitting any weather, are you? It's sprinkling just a hair, but not much. So we got some rain in Terre Haute. Don't you hate those words right there? Yeah, I do. <laughs> We're heading that way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dwayne, you're getting ready for a big weekend here, and I thought you'd just be spotting uh, the, the 27 here this weekend, but uh, you got a whole weekend ahead of you. Is that correct? Yeah, spotting for uh, Cody Swanson for the second time with uh, – Legacy Autosport, and then I'm going to spot with Jordan Anderson in the Crux Series and Geo Celsi for Bill McAnally Racing in the Arca Series. That is a load of work. I mean, you you talk, we think these drivers have it tough going out there in the heat, you know, competing under these conditions. We don't even think about you guys because where I sit in turn one, you guys are kind of right above me there for the Indianapolis 500. You're kind of out of sight, out of mind. This year we were. Uh, <laughs> you know, in previous years we're always out in the sun. This year we they put us down underneath uh, to kind of spread us out because of COVID. 
Very nice there. So how did you get started uh, in, in spotting here? I worked for AJ Foyt, and I was doing signboard for him, and one of his sponsors wanted to do signboard, and it was the first year his grandson was racing. So he uh, came to me and said, hey, I got a new job for you. Hand me a radio and a headset and told me to get with Anthony, and that was kind of how it started. So, I mean, not to I – mean, you're probably past the nerves at this point, but you've got the driver who's throwing it out there at those intense speeds going wheel-to-wheel -wheel at these ovals. And then you've got the the probably the, the second most nervous person on the track, and that's not the owner. That's not the crew chief. That's got to be you guys because – that's a lot of responsibility up there, correct? Uh, with, with Alex, it's a lot easier. I mean, obviously, he does do some pretty extreme passing on the outside and inside, <laughs> but his skill set's pretty darn good. So it's, like I said, I mean, we just kind of paint a picture for him, and he does the rest. How how long does it take a spotter like yourself that seems very well established to get used to a driver like Alex, that's going to take those risky moves, that's going to go around on the outside, that might dive it into the inside. If you give him that opportunity, he kind of drives like uh, the old F1 Ayrton Senna, honestly. Yeah, the nice thing about Alex is when he first came over here, he had never used a spotter before, so he didn't have any expectations. So everything I said to him was all new to him. So we just kind of went from there. When you get with other drivers who have been around, have different spotters, they have different expectations. Uh, you, you got to have thick skin because sometimes you get yelled at. <laughs> what's the relationship like kind of uh, to lead out of that, but what's the, the relationship like? Cause we talked to a uh, crew member yesterday from uh, uh coin over there and you know, he kind of being on the crew, it's kind of a little more relaxed, kind of uh, a, a little more friendly, but being a spotter, I mean, not to take it lightly, you got somebody's life in your hand. I'm sure the relationship is probably a little bit different between you and Alex, correct? Uh, actually, he's he's super close to our crew. I mean, he, we do uh, – usually he takes us out a couple times a year. But, no, nah, he's uh, – you know, obviously I have a different job than what the crew guys do, but he's got to have just as much faith in them because they're the ones taking parts off and on his car. And he's – you know, he's got to trust that they know what they're doing and putting them on right. I, and – same deal with me. I mean, by telling him he's clear, he's got to trust it. I know what I'm seeing. And he, you know, at this point, I asked him when I first met him, I told him, I want you to get to the point where if I tell you you're clear, you can you can go down or up and not have to look at your mirrors. He told me he never looks at his mirrors very often anymore on ovals. So, yeah, it is. A, it's a lot of pressure, but um, I'm pretty confident in what I do and his driving. So on a track like Indianapolis, like we just had, I would assume there is multiple spotters throughout the the stands with you guys, correct? Yeah, we got a turn one, which is me, and then uh, my turn three spotter, Jason Burgess. He's been with me since uh, Alex came over here, too, the first year. He was on our winning team in 16, and uh, he's Alex likes Jason real well. Uh, you know, he, he trusts him just as much as he does me. No better way to start off a relationship than coming into the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500 for a first time, and you guys win it. How great was that feeling right there? It was good. I mean, a lot of people say we lucked into it, but we, we did turn like nine of the ten fastest laps in the race. And for a rookie to do what he did and listen to Brian on the radio and get the fuel mileage numbers he needed to, 
I mean, it just shows how good he is. Oh, absolutely. I was there in the stands. I don't miss a 500, and I was cheering on Alex in that race because I, I was working for Napa at that time, so naturally you had to go for your, your Napa guy in the, the race there. So just to watch him, I mean, you have to put together 800 solid laps there. It's not just one. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, a lot of people can, can win off that last lap. You've only got to lead one. But you have to you have to be there to to be in position to win that race. And and that says a lot. So don't let anybody ever take away from that win from you guys because, like I said, that was a phenomenal run. I will never forget that race. Yeah, I mean, so many things had to go right. But uh, even with our fuel problems, you know, the strategy, the his driving skill, I mean, there's there obviously there is luck in winning that, but it, it takes a lot more than that. So after I, I don't want to harp on this because I'm sure it's not the uh, the best topic for you. But after a race like Indianapolis, how do you guys kind of recover, regroup, and, and push forward? Because that was a fantastic showing overall for Andretti. You guys finally showed some speed here. You guys had a really good overall month of August here, and now you got kind of got the ball rolling as the uh, the drivers and the team there, it seems like. So going into Gateway, how do you guys recover from that and, and really move forward? Uh, you got to have a short memory. I mean, our year hadn't been very good at all this year so far. So, uh, I mean, Indy, obviously he's always good at Indy, and we ran great at Indy. And, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda's. But uh, St. Louis isn't our best track. We got third there a couple of years ago. Last year we had a good running, but kind of got off on some fuel mileage and um, ended up not having, I think we finished 13th last year. So uh, you just, you just got to put it behind you and look at each weekend as a new race. So to, to stay on the 500, but to take away from the, the negative side of things, possibly on, on your end there, but you, I mean, you've seen multiple 500s from, it seems like about every aspect um, the, whether it be an outsider, whether it be across the wall, whether it be up in the spotter. Uh, I mean, it seems like you've done everything but steer the, the car at the, uh, the 500 there. So how different was it for you this year? I'm sorry, you cut out just a little bit. How, how different was the 500 for you this year, not having the fans out there and, and kind of just being a, an empty lot? It was, it was really weird and I'm like I'm going over to St. Louis right now. My best friend and he uh, he's been to every Indy 500 since he's been what uh, 500 in a row. Yeah, this would have been his 48. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, you know, not seeing your friends, being able to come it was kind of hard. And then, like I said, once the race started, you focus on the race itself, but you still miss all those noises. I mean, when there's a pass at the 500, you can hear the crowd, even oh, yeah. over the crowd noise and, um, or the car noise, you can hear it. And it was just, I don't know. It was, it was an empty feeling. Like I said, I mean, you, you, you feel for all your friends and all the fans that can't be there. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, so 2020 has really stunk. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. That's a, a very good way to put that. Very weird year overall here but uh you know you guys are moving now to a, a a place that is allowing fans in so you're gonna kind of get it's it's not gonna be the normal but you, you kind of get that atmosphere back how much is that gonna charge the team and and alexander a, a lot this uh, weekend because it seems like you guys 
can really feed off of that. A lot of people don't see that so much in racing, but I mean, just the way you're talking, it, it seems like, like I said, you can feed off of that. Yeah, it'll, it's still different. I mean, they're not allowed into the garage and pit right. area. We had, I think, 5,000 fans that were available to come to Iowa. We didn't have any in Texas, which was odd. Um, <laughs> I mean, because up, uh, Iowa, I mean, like I say, it's just kind of nice. You do, you do interact with the fans a little bit as you're walking up and down the stands, going to the spotter stand. And you see a lot of them outside of the gates that you normally would see inside the pit area, but um, hopefully we can get over this and get our fans back. Absolutely there. I, I feel you, trust me, because uh, it was hard, like uh, like your buddy there. I haven't been to that many, but uh, I've been. that would have been my 25th Indianapolis 500 straight. So I've been going since Jacques Lazier, or sorry, uh, Jacques Villeneuve won in 1995. So, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 my buddy Johnny was a little, he was a little bitter this year. <laughs> you know, because, you know, Roger originally said he wouldn't have it without fans. Right. And, you know, I, unfortunately, I think he had to do that. Just, uh, there were so many teams I don't think would have made it had he not done it. Right. Absolutely. And, and I could see that. It makes sense there. It's such a big race. And, you know, at least we got to watch it. I, I wrote a little article saying, you know, back in when it was canceled, we were fighting wars. So at least we were able to watch you guys do your deal. We were just behind the scenes here this time. Yeah, I've missed one since I was seven, and that was the year we had the U.S. 500 in Michigan. Oh, were you a, a crew member then? Yeah, I was on the cart side. So. Oh, no. No, that's yeah. unfortunate. Well, you had to go. I, I get you. I get you. But it sounds like you came back the next year. Am I correct? Yes. <laughs> well, you, you realize real quick, in, hey, that in, was in a wrong. Indy 500, <laughs> Indy 500 is what runs the IndyCar series. So, I mean, without that, it's just, you know, it's you, you look at it at two seasons. You got the Indy 500, and then you got the IndyCar season. Right. Absolutely. And I think most drivers would rather win the Indy 500 than the IndyCar championship. Right. And you see just how much there's not, uh, I mean, NASCAR guys, they want to win the Daytona, but they want to win a championship at the end of the year. That's their, their main goal here in Indy that, that one race, it, it just means so much. And like I said, that's just, you, you feel on that victory. What, what went through your head when he crossed the line there? To be honest, I saw him come out of turn four. And when I saw he had enough room to make it, I don't, I, I, Headed to this, the uh, winner's circle. I didn't even see him cross the start finish line. <laughs> just started, <laughs> just starting. Like, all right, we got it. We're good. I actually, I actually beat him to the finish <laughs> now, winner's circle. He's got at that point. He's checking his mirrors because he's letting off. These guys are coming around him. So hopefully, your job was done, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. It okay. Was done. Like I, said, I knew he was three quarters of the way down the front stretch. And I, like I said, I, that was when Carlos came out of turn four, and I knew he had it. Absolutely. I bailed. <laughs> right, that's it. That is a fantastic. So I'd love I, to I, see your steps or something yeah. as you were running. <laughs> I fell for Carlos because I spotted for him as rookie year when he finished second. So I know that feeling. Oh wow! So that's yes, and I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you know, it, it's it it's any five hundred. Anything can happen. You guys were just lucky enough. You, you've tasted it. You've been there. How much does that make you guys want another one? Because like Sato is kind of saying. You know, that first one is great, but then the second one, you, you really understand what it is, and it's yeah. it means so it, much more. And we finished second last year, and it was the right. worst feeling. I was so depressed. I mean, right. most people would be happy with finishing second, but it <laughs> sucked. 
It's a tough pill to swallow. Absolutely. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for coming on and kind of giving us uh, a little uh, bit of a spotter standpoint. Real quick, uh, the last question I can think of. Everybody is is up in arms about the aero screen, whether good, whether it's bad. How much, if any, did it change your job as a spot? Um, Indy cars at Indy are really hard to see anyway, just because you're almost a half mile away from when they come out and turn four. And it, there's not a lot of the, the Napa car, especially, is hard to see due to the, you know sudden have a lot of bright popping colors from far away. But um, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it, it changed it a little bit. But it's on there for a reason, for the right reason. Absolutely, yeah. When you know, I don't care. You know, a lot of people say they don't like the look of it, stuff like that. I could care less what the thing looks like. We're we're going to be able to watch these drivers progress more and longer in their careers because of it. I think it's already shown its benefit there. So, uh, you and know. I think it'll look better when they incorporate it into the new chassis when the new car comes out. Absolutely, I think it looks like a fighter jet, and that's what I think these things are like. I mean, it's, it's I think it looks perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Well, Dwayne, thank you so much for joining along with us here to give me some of your time as you guys head out to St. Louis. Good luck this weekend, sir. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Caught me off guard there. I'm back. Hopefully you enjoyed that from Dwayne Elwinger. You could see I was just chilling. I was just sitting back. I was listening to it myself, so... That was a fantastic chat, and I'll tell you what, we're going to get right into Andrew Wilkerson's side of things over there with Coin and Santino Ferrucci. Hey, I'm Andrew Wilkerson, inside of the retired changer for the number 18 Seal Master Honda, and you're listening to Checkers and Records. Andrew, first of all, congrats on a fantastic Indianapolis 500, sir. You know, we just didn't feel like it was coming to us. And the last practice session, we made some big changes, and it finally came to us. And, you know, we uh, knew we had a good race car. You could finally do the things you wanted to do. And, you know, we just we kind of just let him rip. He listens to the spot as well, and he knows where he can go. And he just, he just slowly but surely made his way up that way. When you say let it rip, like he seems like that driver that is going to absolutely let it rip. We saw him last year in the 500, became famous by taking out some of Doug Bowles' just fantastic-looking grass there. This year, drove with that same tenacity. How does that make a, a crew member feel, knowing that you've got a, a young guy in that car, and he's going to push it. He's going to do everything he can to get every little bit out of that. Oh, it's just, it makes you, you know, it just makes you really focus on doing your job and just giving him the car that you know can handle anything that you know he can put it through and we know it sometimes that's quite a bit more than you think it could <laughs> so you know it's just you just focus on your job and you do your job you know especially in the pits you know if you just smooth as fast and you know you have to make sure that you give him give him the car that can do what he needs to do and then just do your job in the pits and he was, he'll always drive to the front if you can just do you know hold up your end they'll always do it absolutely just a, a very uh, strong driver there we've seen him grow a lot through these first couple of seasons here but how uh, how did you come about to get onto this team here sir all right well uh 
this could be a bit of a long story. Uh, <laughs> so, I can't, I've, uh, my father's been doing this for 35 years. He's been in this business. So I grew up at the racetrack and you know, always just hanging around open wheel cars. It's always been formula style cars that he's worked on. And uh, after 35 years, uh, he's actually now my boss. Nice. <laughs> and he actually is the crew chief of uh, the Seal Master Honda. Very nice there. Over the over the years, you know, being around the teams and you know just kind of you know paying attention. I've always been into cars, very mechanically inclined. And when the when the time comes, it was I was you know somebody had left and Dad needed somebody that he knew could work on a race car without any supervision. So I I got the offer for that job. That is that's awesome right there. So it's kind of uh, through the the family blood there. That's what racing's all about right there. You know, I even posted something on the page today. It said you know something to the the regards of before there in that seat. There's a, a, a driver sitting there. He has faith in himself, but before he had faith in himself, well, that parent had faith in him. So you know that that means so much. I mean, it's it's perfect that uh, I posted that this morning. Then we hear that story here. That's just an awesome story on. Uh, getting in here we you know like i said it's such a, a family oriented sport here you, a lot of people wouldn't think that but you look down indycar you see a lot of the same last names you do you absolutely do like there's a couple of people like i have um you know you speak about through the family I actually have a cousin who actually works on marco's car nice so you know there's more family involved there i have a twin brother who came and did this for a team like it's you know everybody's like back in the day would always joke say oh you don't want to do this for a living you don't want to do this for a living and i was like i don't get a choice you don't <laughs> i'm <laughs> thrown into it another option here right exactly so before you got onto the team here were you working on other race cars to uh, some extent or were you just wrenching on race cars? I, w uh, I was i did uh i did a bit of auto repair you know i've always been involved in cars and then last year i actually ran um daniel frost uh, Indy Pro 2000 car for half the season. Um, I was I ran that car. Um, you know, after that, the that deal just kind of wasn't working out for me, and I just actually just went back to auto repair. It was just like, okay, well, you know, if I get the Indy car job, cool. If not, you know, I, I'm cool with doing this. And then it was about six months, and the the manager sent me a text on my way home and told me to call him, and I was like, this could be really good. Or this could be really bad. <laughs> you know, hope the best, plan for the worst type of scenario. Right. There. And, uh, you know, he, I got off the phone with him and just, I immediately called my father. He just said, hello? I just screamed in his ear real loud. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I was just really excited. It was just like, okay, well, this is going to be, you know, that dream come true. And like, that's what, like the Indy 500 this year, even without the fans. And I can't express enough for how, how much how it's just not the same so let's let's kind of touch on that here because this is your first 500 here from what i uh i saw there so you you kind of didn't didn't feel that experience i'm sure you've seen it from the outside but how does how does someone like yourself kind of prepare if there is any different preparations for next year if the fans are out there in the stands there and the the energy i can only imagine will just be flowing throughout that that stadium. Oh, I I imagine it's going to be 
I'm not sure this is a word if I can find to describe what I think it could possibly be like next year. It's going to be the biggest it's ever been, I believe. I, I can look at like it being bigger bad. than the 100th. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it being bigger than that. And it, I can see it being two weeks of just an absolute open-wheel race car party. <laughs> and, I, yeah. I am so down for that. It's unreal. It's going to be the, uh, the best month of May that it's happened in a long time. That's my prediction. I, I really hope so because, I mean, I, I was this is my first time and because I don't know how much you follow the actual track, but Doug Bowles put out that Proposition 001 saying, you know, as long as you watch it, you listen to it, you get to keep your streak. Let's not add to it, but you can keep it going. We'll, we'll pause it for a year. And, you know, this would have been my 25th uh, race straight here, and I'm 31 years old. So it was really weird watching this uh, from TV or from, or from in front of the television there on there. But uh, let's go back to it because pit stops meant so much in this race. You guys were flawless. How much did that attribute to Santino's climb up to the front there? Well, it just it gives them the confidence, and there's a lot of things to the untrained eyes you might not see in a pit stop. Where I actually struggled with an equipment problem all day, my wheel nut would not stay in my gun. I physically had to hold it in, so I had to add a whole another step to my process of changing this tire every single time he came in, and that's just something that you know you learn to adapt extremely quick on the fly, and you just kind of make it work to where the untrained eye it looks fine. But technically, is it flawless? No, it's not flawless. It's <laughs> the absolute best I could do with doing that. And, you know, like I said, when you have full fuel loads, you're not rushed for time, especially on the tires, and you just get the job done. How, how uh, or I guess I should say, what's your mindset? Three seconds. So when he's hitting the brakes, coming into the pits, what is going through your mind? I mean, do you try to just blank everything out, or is this the time where your heart is racing and you you really feel like you got to do something? What what is going through your mind there? Well, I mean, just from being human, you always feel a little <laughs> bit of pressure just to, okay, here he comes, right? Especially when he comes in pitting from P five, right? <laughs> you know, and you know you're still coming. You're just like, okay, I always just I'll close my eyes, I take a real deep breath and hold it for a second. Blow it out really slow, right if he comes to angle in, and then I'm just I'm looking for the orange dot on the end of the hub. And as soon as the gun goes up and on, I don't have to think about anything. It's just by the time I've come back, I'm holding on to the starter as the car drives away. Absolutely, it's all muscle memory. By that time, you guys practice that, but exactly because it's one of those things where you know you want to do it well, so you have to uh, slow down. Right like from even from when we practice in the shop. To when we do uh, stops during the race, or you know, even hot stops during practice, we will physically slow down a stop a second just to make sure that the stop is done correctly every time. Yep, that makes sense because I've so, heard the old motto: "What is it? Uh, smooth or slow is smooth, and smooth is fast." It's fast, exactly. <laughs> and, you just and the most important thing about a pit stop is not how fast you can do it. Is how fast can you do it consistently? Right. So if you can change a tire in three seconds, that's awesome. But if your next tire changes seven seconds, that doesn't do you any good. Absolutely. So, so I mean, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, so consistency is much more important than how fast can you get it done. Because especially on a big oval like Indy, he's going from the fuel cell is empty. He's got to fill that thing all the way up. 
So you're going to be waiting on fuel anyway, so there's no need to rush that stop. Absolutely. Just make sure it gets done. Yep, that makes complete sense there. I mean, you know, like a, a lot of people don't see that aspect. They just see you guys running out there, tossing them on as fast as you can, and he's gone. But, you know, Indy is a tight pit lane, probably one of the tightest that you guys have throughout the season. We saw that accident there uh, between Rossi and uh, Sato there. How do you guys prevent something like that in the pits? Well, we actually we actually kind of got lucky with our pit box because we had an open pit box in front of us where there was nobody. So what we actually did is we set his pit stop marks forward a good foot from where they would normally be. Mm-hmm. So that way it gave us an extra foot, a good easy in, right? He can hit his marks easier if he's not really cut because we had Fagino behind us. And then you don't have to worry about you know, the car getting kind of crazy because you're trying to cut right ne- right out next to a car that's right in front of you because we had an open spot. That makes sense so we there. Just, we just scooted everything forward just a little bit within the rules that they would let us do it. And it just gives us more overall space and it makes it easier to hit the mark. Absolutely. Hey, it's the luck of uh, where you qualify there and where you get that spot on the, the pit lane. You guys happen to uh, make out on that one. So, hey, it works for you. But, uh, so, you know, Santino switched to your guys' car here this year, so is new to this car. Same team, but how much, if any, do the cars differ? Is he getting used to a different car? I know it's not Formula One, where it's like I said, I mean, still it's the same team there, but those cars so much different from one driver to another. How much different is Santino adapting here, or are you guys trying to give him the same ride that he had here last year? We're literally trying to give him the same ride that he had last year. Like, when it comes to the setup, when we struggled through practice, you know, we were trying some different things because, you know, there's always room for improvement. You can't ever just say good enough is good enough. So you always try for improvements and all that stuff, and we were trying different things. And like I said, after, I believe it was Fast Friday, we had the one more practice session. We had Carb Day, and I remember that night we made some big changes. So you, 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 that's got to be a little nerve-wracking, kind of uh, making changes, and you don't have any more practice. At this point, you've got to make these changes. You've got to put it on the grid, and you've got to say, man, we really think we got this right here. Just you got to trust this car. Exactly, and that's just, you know, faith in your engineer. You know, I can hear, I hear the conversations that he has all the time. I know he switched on, you know. So it's just when he says make these big changes, I knew that we wouldn't be making these big changes if he didn't have – pretty much full confidence that they were going to work and we went out on carb day practice and after that after that he said that the car was the best that it had felt over any practice session he said that's the best car he's had the whole time absolutely there so that's that's you know you you make the the turn on the wrench and went the right way there thankfully for you guys it worked out now let's switch gears here and you're going to a completely different track for a double header this weekend and uh, going to Gateway, how much time, how much effort now goes into switching this car from a, a super speedway like Indy and going to a smaller track like Gateway? Well, in this particular instance, <coughs> uh, you know, trying to give too much away, we actually, the car we use for Indy is not the car we use for Gateway. Okay. So it's a different chassis altogether because the Indy car is obviously any trick that you developed or think you have is going to go on that car. And that's the, the car is only going to be used for that. Gotcha. So all the you know, it's just indie, the indie cars. They usually that's all they'll do. I got you. So we'll actually go back to our the chassis rerun most of the time now. 
Okay, and, that makes and that's the it's the glory. I mean, that's the 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 chat or the 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 cup that you want to get there. You know, the the trophy you want to get that board run a trophy you want to get your face on there. So you, you do everything you can to win that race. Yeah, that's like you know all the time we spend with research and development and all the uh, engineers and all that stuff, all the programs that they run, and it all comes down to making that car as slick as it can possibly be. Absolutely. So all the super trick stuff goes on that car, and then it only gets used for Indy, and then it goes back in the shop on high stands, and it gets taken apart. Right. So, uh, I mean, you guys kind of saw, and to some people, to the outside eye, a kind of a big hit with Bourdais kind of leaving there and and leaving Santino to be the, the lead driver here. In your guys' head, and I know you just got on this year, but maybe your dad has spoke about this, how much does that affect the the team when you get a driver change like that from a, a world champion in Bourdais to a young gun like Santino? Well, you know, it's, uh, Santino basically just said when that whole deal came about, um, when that was coming, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm sure Bourdais taught Santino quite a bit. Oh, yeah. You know, they called him dad. Like, I can understand that sort of relationship, but now that he's had to step up, he really has stepped up. Like, you can tell just by the way he conducts himself in the cockpit is much more grown up than even last year. And he wasn't he wasn't unprofessional or anything, but you could tell he was still a bit more of a kid. Okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But you can tell he's much more. He stepped up to the plate and is very direct about what the car is doing and you know, he's asked for the slightest changes and he goes out and tries to get a very good read for us so we can do the best possible jobs that we can for him. And, you know, it's just, again, you have faith in the engineers and when Steelmaster decided, okay, we're going to put him in the car, Santino said, okay, but I, would li- I want the crew that I had last year, so that would be like my father and some of the nice. other guys that I work with now. So it's not a different car technically, it's just a different paint job. I'm with you, that makes sense. You know, so Santino, you know, obviously has a reputation with my father. They are really good friends, even outside of, you know, at the racetrack and stuff like that. And right. he said, I'm just, you know, if you trust your crew, you just want to stick with your crew, and that's the decision that was made. So that was my my next, and I'll make this the last question here because I don't want to keep you too much on your day off here. I know you're slammed this week. But how much is, or what's the relationship like between, and I'm going to say a good driver and a good crew because I under I, I know there's probably guys in the back and the drivers don't talk to the crew but if you want to be running up front what does that driver relationship have to be like with the crew and the crew with the driver it's just it has to be one of trust you know it's one of those things where the driver has to know as soon as he gets in that car that it's no matter what happens not only is it going to be you know hopefully be the fastest one out there but it's also going to protect him in case of a crash but it's not going to cause a crash, so the car's not going to fall apart, something's not going to come off, something along those lines. <coughs> Excuse me, in the race, if it's, he comes in every morning, he says hi to everybody, he likes to bring his puppy around, and we all like to play with it. Um, you know, it's very just, we're friends, we're all just friends. It's a very easygoing relationship. You know, the relationship between a driver and an engineer will be a bit more intense because all they'll talk about is numbers. <laughs> right. Like that. But that's just their relationship. Yeah. That's the one, that's the relationship they have to have. But, 
you know, we'll be on the setup pad all the time sitting there and he'll be joking around or trying to lay stickers in the cockpit or, you know, it's a very friendly, uh, you know, it's friends. Like, I would invite him over to my house for a barbecue anytime. Right, absolutely. And it seems like, like I said, between a, a good team like that, if you guys are going to finish like you did in the 500, like you said, you got to have that trust. you got to have a good bond there with the driver in the, the driver with the crew. Yes, absolutely. It's got to be one, you know, like I said, he comes in, he doesn't necessarily talk about the race car. He's asked my he's asking my dad about guns and stuff. <laughs> right, they yeah. They get off on that, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's never you know, he talks about race cars to the engineer, but when it comes to us we used to talk about anything else other than the, the race car we're doing right now because like I said, we're friends. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, we just we're always trying to have you know, if you're not having fun, what are you doing? So we're always trying to have at least a little bit of fun regardless of how intense the situation. No, absolutely. Hey, I live by that same motto there. Andrew, thank you so much for joining along with us today. I appreciate your time. Again, congrats on a fantastic finish in the Indianapolis 500, and good luck this week in the doubleheader, sir. Well, hopefully we can make something happen. We were good here good here last year, so hopefully, you know, we play our cards right. We could come out of here with two race runs, and uh, I thank you for the congratulations. It was a pleasure being on the show. I thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. That's perfect, man. Thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Any other thing you need, you just give me a call. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Well, it'll go live. Uh, we usually do our guest spots about 1130 on Sunday, so we'll put that in there. And uh, like I said, I don't know if you know Tim Trowbridge. He's over on uh, Foyt's team. I think I know him through Facebook a little bit. When you said there was somebody from Fort coming on, I was like, I bet you I know who Yep. <laughs> so I... I <laughs> What is up, everybody? It is your boy, the ass for Black and White Sports, and let me talk to you about a little banking. First Financial Bank and John Wayne Buzzard. That's right, folks, the official bank of BW Sports One for all of your banking needs, whether it be savings, checking, mortgage loans, small business loans, and everything else under the sun. First Financial Bank and John Wayne Buzzard is where we go. Call that man, 317 317- 417-8582. That's 317-417-8582. Or email him at john.buzzard at bankatfirst.com. That's right. First Financial Bank, the official bank of BW Sports One. What is up, everybody? It is your boy, the ass for black and white sports. And let me talk to you about a little banking. First Financial Bank and John Wayne Buzzard. That's right, folks. The official bank. Hey, I'm Andy Wilkerson, inside of your tire changer for the number 18 Seal Master Honda, and you're listening to Checkers and Records. We are back. <clears throat> what an interview trio there today. <clears throat> Caleb Ramsey's out there. He's listening. We got Ty BTV out there. Hope you guys are doing good this morning. Let's get into a little bit of iRacing. Hop out of that Indy car and move on to the virtual dirt where Hayden Cardwell takes the cold, hard cache and walks away with a win here in the, what is that, the uh, the Outlaws, the the big pro series there on iRacing, World of Outlaws. Late models takes it away. Then he hops in a real car the same week and does a decent job with that as well. 
So we'll have our eyes set on Hayden Cardwell as he goes from virtual to real world. He's not going to bounce out of that virtual world too quick, I don't think. He knows where the money's at right now. So don't get too excited thinking, ooh, he's, he's going to be off of iRacing now. No, he's not. I'm sure he's still going to be right there going side by side with you. So look out for him. Keep on the dirt side of things. And my, oh my, oh my, I'm wearing the hat today. You got to give the man credit. You talk about a wheel man. Kyle Larson hops into a late model for the first time ever. Goes out on the first day. Has a good run. Does does fantastic. Puts it uh, up in the top five. Okay? Goes out the second night. He's got a feel for it. He wins. In his second appearance ever in a late model against some of the best out there, Larson puts it into victory circle. I don't care what. I know there's one person out there in the, the Facebook world. He just don't like him. He, he thinks he's trash. He thinks he's cheating. I don't care what you say, bud. He is putting it on fire each and every time he goes out on the dirt. He's collecting some money. He's doing the big thing. 15K, I think it was yesterday. So just un- exactly. Jason Reese says it. Larson's unbelievable out there. And then you talk about a good run. You go over to the SmackDown and. I was watching on flow as much as I could there. And Cummins has a great weekend. Takes two of the three there. So you got to give it out to him there too. But, man, I can't say enough about Kyle Larson on the dirt side. Makes you wonder, do we see Kyle Larson in the SRX series? Makes you wonder, do we see Kyle Larson possibly try his hand at the Indianapolis 500? Makes you wonder, do we see Kyle Larson try his hand at the Kentucky Derby? No, I'm joking. Why not, though? You you get everything else on dirt. Why not try the true horsepower and give it a go? He's about the size you need for it. So, uh, just my goodness, talk about unbeatable. I mean, he is on fire right now. And and look out. I mean, because he's, he's coming for vengeance. And, and it makes you wonder. I mean, a lot of people want to want to talk about the the possibilities here about next year and him stepping back up into a cup car we talked about it here on the show before i think it's really coming in line starting to fall in line for him to end up at stewart haas so we'll keep our eyes on that we'll see how that works out see how that kind of uh makes his way but also you know back when he was in that silver crown last week for the hoosier 100 they also you know people were taking pictures of his engine said hendrix so Hendricks still yet to uh, claim who's going to be in that 48 seat. I don't know if there's problems with Chevy there. Uh, I don't know when it comes to NASCAR in that high. Excuse me. Got the hiccups. The high um, viewership. If Chevy is going to be comfortable putting their name back with Kyle Larson right now. So we'll have to see if that is possible. He's just, no, Jason, I agree with you. I, I do. But there is somebody on the internet getting his fame off of nothing but talking loads of trash on Kyle Larson. And it's it just, it's insane. I, I, I don't care because he's stepping into other people's cars at this point. It's not his equipment when it comes to a late mile. I agree with you. He's got the smoothest gas pedal foot I've ever seen since I've been watching. I, I, it, it's, it's 
impeccable. It really is. So move over to the NASCAR side of things. And, and like I said earlier to begin the show, Kyle Westwood got to witness it in person. He was at Daytona, and he saw out with the old and in with the new as Jimmy Johnson unable to make the playoffs in his last season as a driver here in NASCAR. And William Byron, his teammates, the one to kick him out. So the 48 is done as far as a championship run, and the 24 is back at it here. We'll see if he's able to construct anything to put together. I don't know if I necessarily see Byron making a run for it, but at the end of the day, you are you got Hendrick Power and you got Chad Knauss behind you. That's a good combination there. And you, you got to give it up to Chase Elliott, man. That guy could have won that race. Instead, he pushes the teammate to it, and Hendrick sees uh, three out of the four cars into the chase. So solid uh, regular season there for Hendrick. Then you you begin to ask, is anybody going to be able to catch Hamlin or Harvick come this playoff series, or are they starting to lose a little bit of momentum? So, uh, you know, that's something we will keep our eyes out. I want to know your opinions on that as well, are, are we starting to see the the decline here a little late in the season of Hamlin and Harvick, or will they in the playoffs just take off and, and dominate just like they have for most of this season? That'll be an interesting thing to watch there. But, uh, man, just some intense driving last night. You saw Reddick put it up there, and people were mad at him. People are a little upset. Uh, Ryan Newman very visibly upset. He was in another accident there at Daytona. Uh, kind of starting when the leader, Tyler Reddick, sees Bush getting a run with eight laps to go, and he he goes up in front of him. It's a little, little ballsy move there, and uh, not as clear as he thought he was. Reddick gets into Bush and causes a big one there. They red flag that. They get going again. They get another big one that happens there, so... Uh, that's what sets Byron up for the win. And and Byron, I mean, you talk about some some balls. And when I say balls, I mean balls. Because you got a guy getting into it with Bubba Wallace on the uh, uh, in the middle there, up on the top. And they get into it. They bounce off. And that's where Byron sees that gap. And he full throttles it through there. And they start wrecking behind it. I mean, these guys were coming. He knows. I either shoot this gap, I win this race, or I shoot this gap and I'm done. But I got to shoot this gap. That's what he was thinking. A very, very, very ballsy move. I don't think if you're you're fighting for a playoff spot or a, a win, you make that move. But he's up in front. He had the clean air then afterwards. And unfortunately, they start wrecking behind. But whew, pretty interesting there at Daytona. They move on now to the final playoff races of the season. So, We'll keep our eyes on the chase there as DiBenedetto finds himself in there as well on points. So move on to a little bit of F1. And unfortunately for Carlos Sainz, unable to start this race there in that McLaren as a little exhaust failure. He said he was smelling something in the car there. Not right. So not able to get that repaired before the start of this race. So he finds himself in the back and kind of starting to see that Ferrari luck before he finds himself at that team with Ferrari so just a tough tough run there and Ferrari slower the only team slower off pace from last year here at Spa so it's just so so unimpressive so just disappointing 
that we can't get a good Ferrari car. And I, I keep going back to the old uh, uh, that movie there with uh, Nicky Lauda and uh, James Hunt. And Lauda takes a ride in the Ferrari. He's like, how do you guys have a multi-million dollar facility and you make this shit box? It just it blows my mind. It, I just don't understand it whatsoever. So they, they're just still trying to find that pace. And they got the driver with Leclerc. I mean, he can do it. He showed some speed, but he's just giving nothing to go with right now. So un unfortunate there. By chance, you didn't see the the rest of the F1 race. Well, I'm going to give it away right now. So give you a few seconds to turn it off here, what I'm about to say. One, two, you've probably figured it out. Or, uh, Hamilton wins here at Spa today. They, it stays dry, so they don't have to uh, put on the wets, anything like that. He uh, uh, constructs a decent win. And one, two, three, stays one, two, three the entire race there. It's uh, Hamilton, Botas, Verstappen. And then in fourth, bringing it up. In fourth, I was very impressed with this run, with this qualifying before Daniel Ricciardo doing a solid, solid job putting himself into that fourth place here today. Almost gets a podium, puts the fastest time on the board. So you start to wonder now, is Ricciardo just in a, uh, a bag of bad choices? You leave Red Bull, you go to Renault. That first year at Renault, not what you wanted, not like you thought it was going to be, anything like that. So you, you sign a deal with McLaren. Now this Renault is starting to come in. You're starting to get familiar with that car, and it's feeling good. You're, you're putting these positions in, and McLaren looks like they're – I don't know if they're falling, but they're having a little problems here. So you, you wonder, did he make the right choice in moving to McLaren here and not sticking – with Renault, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm excited to uh, kind of see what he can do uh, outside of Renault uh, or the rest of the season with Renault, for that matter. But uh, I mean, as you know, as I know here in F1, they are probably 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 that means probably honestly, um, <laughs> they're they're probably focused more on Ocon right now in the team than they are Daniel Ricciardo because. Uh, I, obviously, you want to go out there and have good results as a team. Yeah, that's going to, uh, you know, help that money, everything like that. But you want to focus on that driver that's there next year and going to help your, your team progress throughout the uh, future there. Last thing on F1 is they confirm a second layout for that race at Bahrain, the second one. So they're not going to run the same uh, layout one week to the next. They're actually going to do, and this is what F1 calls an oval it's not so much an oval. It's more like a trapezoid with a couple chicanes in it. But they're giving it a go. So it'll be interesting to see how that Bahrain race really turns out, see uh, how these cars do turning mostly left, and how F1 fans relate to this oval type of race. They keep saying oval. It's not an oval. It's a very long trapezoid. But I'm not going to debate the shapes. I wasn't good at geometry. Not my gig. It's that time now. I'm through yapping my gums here. I'm giving you enough racing news. We had some fantastic guests on the show. Thank you to those guys, Andrew Wilkerson, Dwayne Ellinger, and Timmy Trowbridge from those Andretti, Coin, and Foyt teams. Just a, a great show here today, and let's do it. It's time for the Checkers and Wreckers Picks of the Week. 
week. We're going to go out and we're going to pick some gateway picks here today. And I'll go out saying my checker pick. He had a solid finish yesterday. I know a lot of people. I want you to join in, so I want your picks as well. I know a lot of people are probably going to pick Dixon. That's an easy kind of a, a very, okay, I see it happening. I, I could see it. But 11 races, 11 different winners. It, it kind of says we're going to see something new here. Pat Award with the win today. Checker pick Pat Award from that McLaren team over here, that uh, Schmidt-Peterson-Arrow McLaren. And I think he takes the checkers pick today from me. Pat Award, fantastic finish there yesterday. I think he, he builds off that and moves forward. We go to a wrecker. And it's a hard one to, to kind of go off of. But after two solid races and, and a lot of kind of energy going into everything, I don't think Sato has as, as good of a finish as he did yesterday. So I'm going to pick Sato as my wrecker here today. And my dark horse. I'm going to go with the team of a guest here today. I, I know a lot of you are probably think I'm going to pick Tony Kanan. I think he's going to do good. I'm going to go with Santino Ferrucci. I think Santino Ferrucci is going to find himself onto the podium today. Santino Ferrucci for my dark horse. That's Checkers and Wreckers. I'm Tommy Boy. Thank you so much. Check out www.bwsports1.com. That's www.b wsports1 is the numeral dot com for all of your hap hap happenings on us here at Checkers and Records, myself at CWTV the boys over at Black and White Sports or Super Kicking It with Steven. What? That's right, Super Kicking It with Steven the new wrestling show we got out on the www.bwsports.1.com network www.bwsports1.com check us out guys I thank you and you and you and you and you so much for tuning in today. Appreciate it, guys. You guys have a fantastic Sunday. You guys live it up. And, uh, yeah, have fun. Happy birthday, Mr. John Wayne Buzzard. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear buzzer, buzz. Happy birthday to you. Peace out, everybody. Have a fantastic day.